All right, we're talking, uh, there's notes here on the Holy Spirit if you want them. Prior to this, we uh, talked about the Trinity and the roles in the Trinity. The Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit are co-equal. They are equally God with all the same attributes. They work harmoniously. They're not, they're not working in unison. They work harmoniously. There's a difference. You can have, you can sing a song in unison, it's okay, but if you sing a song in harmony, it's a lot better, right? I, I enjoy good harmony. And uh, so we talked about the role of the Father, He is supreme. Uh, he is the uh, supreme leader. And uh, the, we talked about the role of the Son. His role is to execute the will of the Father, and his role is to also uh, reveal the Father to his creation, his moral creation, angels, and also uh, people. And he provided an eternal salvation for all of us. And he is the unique person of the Trinity in that he has today a human body. He is in bodily form. There is one human being, fully human being, in heaven right now. And that human being is right at the right hand of God the Father in the person of Jesus Christ, the God-man. He's God, but he's fully man as well. So he's in heaven. He is the forerunner of all of us who are believers today. Uh, he's already there. And when he comes back again to receive the church to himself, at what we call the rapture of the church, then we will all, and all of those that go before us, will receive a brand new glorified body, and on the way up to heaven, we will join them in a moment, in a twinkling of an eye. We will all be changed. 1 Corinthians 15. In a moment. In other words, you will get your glorified body as you're going up. That's neat. And you will have that forever. And after God deals with the nations of the world, all the nations. He brings all these nations to one spot on the earth, and that's the area and valley of Armageddon. And there, they all turn. They, first of all, their, their desire is to destroy Israel, but the desire suddenly changes when they see him in the sky, and all the world will see him. And they will all rot in their flesh, as they see him. All the unbelievers. And he then will judge all the people that are still alive, the sheep from the goats, we talked about it last week, the sheep from the goats. The sheep will go into the kingdom. Everybody that enters the kingdom will be born again. In this kingdom, Jesus Christ will rule and reign. And it will last for 1,000 years. There will be no more war. 
They'll beat their plows. They'll beat their swords into plowshares. There will be rejoicing. Children will play in the streets. Old men will uh, uh, have not have diseases. Uh, far as believers are concerned, who live in that era, they will not die. And you and I will be a part of that kingdom. We will rule and reign in our glorified bodies, however that, whatever that means. And uh, so we'll enjoy that kingdom too. And we will see the earth as God intended it to be. Uh, we've never seen it. Adam and Eve are the only two people who have ever seen what creation God meant to be. The Dead Sea will blossom the where, where not even a microorganism can live, it's so salty. The Dead Sea will blossom like a rose. Water will come out of the temple. In Jerusalem, half of the water will go to the Mediterranean, the other half will run into the Dead Sea. The Dead Sea will overflow with fresh water and run into the Gulf of Aqaba, and uh, it'll just be a great place. So that should be our hope. Uh, we're going to spend some time in heaven, and then we're going to enjoy and see God's great creation as he meant it to be. You know, I think it's, it's unbelievable. You go to the Grand Canyon, you go to the mountains, and all of them are scars of God's judgment in the flood. And you say it's beautiful. So if God can take a scar from the flood and make it beautiful, what do you think he can do? So anyway, that's the plan. So the role of the son will be the king in that. When that kingdom is over, 1 Corinthians 15, God will take the kingdom and us and give us all to the Father as a gift. That God may be all in all. So what is the role of the Holy Spirit now? What does he play in all this? Well, let's take a look at it. If you need the notes, are up here. The role of the Holy Spirit in the Trinity is a, a unique ministry. The Holy Spirit is God and shares the same attributes and nature as the Father and the Son. But what distinguishes the Holy Spirit from the Father and the Son is not divine nature of the Holy Spirit, but that the Holy Spirit is sent by Christ and the Father for a special ministry to the saints and specifically of our era. Take a look at John 16, 6 and 7, and John 16, 13 to 15. John 16, 16, 6 to 7. But because I have said these things unto you, sorrow hath filled your heart. Nevertheless, I tell you the truth. It is for you that I go away. For if I go not away, the Comforter will not come unto you, but if I do depart, I will send him to you forever. Okay, the old King James used the Comforter. Uh, some versions use the Advocate. And some versions, uh, ASV uses uh, the Helper. Either way, I'll work. So the Holy Spirit is sent to us to help us. Look at John uh, 16, verses 13 to 15. 
But when he, the Spirit of truth, comes, he will guide you into all the truth, for he will not speak on his own initiative, but whatever he hears, he will speak, and he will disclose to you what is to come. He will glorify for me, but he will take of mine, and I will disclose it to you. All things that the Father has are mine. Therefore, I said that he takes of mine and will disclose it to you. Okay, so the Holy Spirit will be uh, one who will come and he will give us the truth. He gave us the truth in one sense in the writing of the Holy of the Scriptures, and he also illuminates our hearts and minds to the truth. Would we say this is like an illumination verse? Right. He illuminates us to the truth. He does not notice in verse 13 of that passage. He does not speak on his own initiative. He doesn't give us anything independent of what the Father and Son want. He will take a mind, Christ, and he'll disclose it to you. Remember, the disciples did not understand everything that went on in the ministry of Christ. You see them asking questions and, and being concerned. And Jesus makes a point in the upper room discourse where this is from, of the point that the Holy Spirit will bring all things back to remembrance to them. There was so much revelation and from the disciples' point of view, it's just too much to take in at one shot. So the Holy Spirit reveals all the truth to them. And for our sake, he records it in the Bible. That's right. Yes. I think this is really interesting and this aspect of the Holy Spirit is also mentioned in 2 Timothy chapter 3 obviously you know the Awana verse all spirit all scriptures inspired by you know uh, by, by the spirit and then verse 17 but that is after those verses are after in chapter 3 exactly what we were talking about to start this that difficult times will come um, Janice and Jambres are mentioned as they didn't heed, you know, Moses. And I'm just thinking of this chapter in general. Um, Paul forewarns, and I know that this is a pastoral epistle written to Timothy, but what's good for Timothy is good for us. And this is a part on the heel of warning to basically have his, you know, head buried in Scripture because difficult times are going to come. Right. Difficult times will come, and it's like a snowball. Yeah. keeps increasing and increasing. We've really been fortunate. We who have been born in America, we've been really fortunate. We have escaped a lot of persecution that the church has gone through in other places of the world. Amen? We ought to be thankful. I, I don't recall ever being threatened to go to jail because I preach the gospel. Have you? We don't. We know zero. We don't know. <coughs> a lot of Christians uh, are paying a tremendous price for their faith, and so I think we uh, we stand before the judgment seat of Christ. We're going to have uh, some things to answer. How lazy we've been and how soft we've been. And uh, 
Just love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your mind, and your soul. Furthermore, verse 14 of that set passage, He will glorify me. So the Holy Spirit's job is to glorify Jesus Christ, not Himself. And I think here's where the Pentecostalists go astray. <clears throat> they glorify the Holy Spirit rather than the person of Jesus Christ. If you, if you really look at the role, we probably talked about this a little bit, if you look at the role of the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit willingly takes the back seat in the Trinity. Doesn't he? And he's not, he's not jealous. He does it willingly. He does it freely. And whatever he can, he will glorify the Son and the Father. And he is subservient to the Father and to the Son in that he does what they want him to do. There's nothing wrong with being subservient. Remember Jesus said, I came to serve. Who's greater? The one who's being served or the one who Serving. serves? Who's the greater? The one who serves. serves. The one who serves. We have it all mixed up. We think the greatest one is the one on top of the totem pole. But it's not so. Remember the foot washing? Mm -hmm. God the Creator in the person of Jesus took up the towel and washed as a servant, his disciples' feet. That's humility. Yes, Brian? You just see the subservient role of the Holy Spirit in the Old Testament. Yeah. Well, you will all yeah. through the Bible. Yeah. yeah, all through the... I mean, but... Yeah. I mean, he came upon people certain times, but I mean, he was always there, but... Yeah. Okay. The Holy Spirit's role is of a helper. Let's go to John 14. Most of these are, uh, except one, most of these are in John 14, so you're in close proximity already. John 14, 16 to 17. I will ask the Father, and he will give you another helper, that he may be with you forever. That is the Spirit of truth, whom the world cannot receive, because it does not see him or know him. But you know him because he abides with you and will be in you. Right. Yeah, the world can know about God through creation. And the world can know about God via intuitive nature of mankind. That they know there's a higher being. But they don't know the Spirit. Only you know the Spirit. And he takes the place of Jesus Christ personally here on earth. Instead of having Jesus walk with you everywhere, you have who? Holy the Holy Spirit. <clears throat> Sometimes we think it would have been neat to have Jesus come and talk to our church. But he being a uh, one, he, he talked to our church here. And somebody else would not have him, but the Holy Spirit's here. 
And the Holy Spirit is wherever a church, a God-believing church is, Bible-believing church is. The Holy Spirit is there. And every one of us who are born again have all the Spirit. We don't have 60%. We have 100% of the Holy Spirit, and where is it? In us. He's in us. Rod, uh, the verse goes, If any man have not the Spirit, he is none of his. That's right. And it's great to have it that way, because if you're supposed to get the Holy Spirit at a different time, like the charismatics believe, then that becomes a real problem. Yeah. Then you're not even born again. That's true. Yeah. They really mess and up. And that, that is taught in many Arminian circles. Yeah. And by that I mean people who believe that you can lose your salvation, for example, once you're truly saved. The question is, are you saved? That's the question. Just because you say you're saved doesn't mean you're saved. Got it? You're saved when Jesus Christ is everything to you. He's the Lord of your life. You know, hundreds of people have gone forward and come forward meetings, evangelistic meetings. I've been, I grew up I went to the meetings in Aurora at Crusade for Christ and and every they'd have two weeks of meeting every year in June. And my dad and mom would be there and I'd be there. When I was under their roof, I'd be there for the two weeks. We didn't miss. We quit cultivating corn and we quit whatever we did and we went to the meeting. And uh, they were evangelists and and first of all, it was, how many of you need Christ? Will you raise your hand? And then you'd hear, I see that hand. And then come forward to accept Christ. Then the next invitation was, how many of you need to dedicate your life? And I see that hand come forward. And the next line was how many you need to rededicate your life. <laughs> and finally the last one was, do you have a mother? One point that But uh, but I, I mean we I, I've been in these meetings where there'd be twenty or thirty people up there. And I was up there probably a couple times too. A couple times. And um, it was uh, because of the guilt I felt, and I knew I was a sinner, and I felt guilty, and I felt like if I'd do this, I'd be quenched. But I don't think I was saved until my freshman year in college, Bible college, when I learned that Jesus Christ saved me, and saved me forever in spite of what I was. I didn't go to college. Bible college voluntarily. I had folks who said you will spend a year in Bible school, period. And I went, uh, even though I knew down deep in my heart I was going into the ministry and I knew that once I got there I would be there forever, but I would never let anybody else know that. 
But um, but my point is that he's with us forever. And he won't let you go. If he lets you go, you're never worth saving the first place. <clears throat> you were never saved in the first place. No, I wasn't. Yeah. No. Right. I mean, I, I, I accepted Christ every time I was in trouble. <laughs> if I'm not saved, save me, I'd say. I didn't want to go to hell. I don't know about you, but I didn't want to go to hell. <clears throat> I took every precaution I could take, <laughs> even though I couldn't seem to stay out of trouble. Verse 26, did we read that? John 14, 26. With the helper of the Holy Spirit whom the Father will send in my name, he will teach you all things and bring to your remembrance all that I said to you. Now Jesus is speaking to the disciples and he says, I'm going to bring you a helper, comforter, advocate, the Holy Spirit from whom the Father will send in my name and he will teach you all things and bring you to your remembrance all that I said to you. That's interesting because the disciples seem to have short memories as we all do. And so we got to keep that memory fresh. How about John 15, 26? The helper comes, whom I will send to you from the Father, that is the Spirit of truth, who proceeds from the Father, he will testify about me. Okay, the topic of the Holy Spirit when he comes will be what? Jesus Christ. John 16, 7. John 16, 7. Nevertheless, I tell you the truth. It is to your advantage that I go away. For if I do not go away, the Helper will not come to you. But if I go, I will send him to you. Okay, it's to our advantage that Jesus went back to heaven so that we now have the Holy Spirit ministering to us. I think sometimes in some circles they think if they've seen Christ, they've seen everything, you know. Uh, every once in a while you get somebody that supposedly dies and goes to heaven or somebody sees the person of Jesus Christ and they really don't. They won't until they pass away or the Lord comes for the church. So it's to our help, to our advantage that the Holy Spirit has come in this life. How about one out of it? In Acts chapter 10, 38. Give you an example. Acts 10, 38. How God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and power, and how he went around doing good and healing all who were under the power of the devil, because God was with him. All right, the Holy Spirit was with Jesus. All the miracles that Jesus did were through the power of the Spirit. Because Jesus had laid aside the independent use of his attribute, the Holy Spirit was the one who uh, prompted him on occasion maybe to use an attribute or granted him the power to heal the sick, raise the dead, etc. 
So he was the helper. More will be said about the assistant work of the Holy Spirit when we look at the ministry in the Old Testament. Take a look at the personality of the Holy Spirit and the attributes that are given to him. Uh, many times I think uh, without even uh, hinting about it, we think of the Holy Spirit as a, uh, an influence, as a power, kind of a mysterious power somehow. I think of that, you know, I kind of like southern gospel music. I'm not ashamed of it. But there's a lot of Armenian songs in there. And one, I think, particularly disturbs me. There's a sweet, sweet spirit in this place. Have you heard that song? And how do I know? And it's all physical. It's all physical. The Holy Spirit can be here and you don't even know it. How many of you sat down this morning and you felt spirit here? You knew the Spirit is here because the Bible said He's here. When you walked through these doors, did you get a buzz? <laughs> no. Was the Spirit here? Yes. Yeah. Was He all here? Yes. He was all here. Is He here right now? Yes. Yep. Yep. Do you feel a rosy glow? I got a cold and a backache. <laughs> and I, don't, I know the spirit's here. I felt nice and warm when I walked in. You did, huh? Blanche, <laughs> you speak in tongues. <laughs> You're in trouble here. <laughs> I mean, I think there's an emotional aspect that you feel in the Christian life because of your love for God. And you may hear a song that reminds you of something or hear a scripture that reminds you of something or a testimony from somebody that makes you warm and fuzzy and all that kind of stuff. Uh, there's nothing wrong with that. And that's probably generated by the Spirit. There's nothing wrong with that. I think sometimes we have let uh, Pentecostal, uh, charismatic, take away our emotions. Don't you? We're afraid to express ourselves because somebody will think we just came from a holy roller church. And what, what's the matter with saying amen? If you if you hear something that's that that you agree with, what's the matter with you saying amen? I think what we've done in our culture is proper. But amen is proper. Because amen means I agree with it, right? I agree with what you said. All right, Bible does say do all things decently in order, 1 Corinthians 14. Look at John 7, or look at... Uh, Romans 8, verse 2, and you see the Spirit is life. For the law of the Spirit of life in Christ Jesus has set you free from the law of, the, of sin and death. All right. The Holy Spirit is life, and He, when you're truly born again, sets you free from the law of sin, slavery to sin. 
I think this is often, at least for me, we've, we sat in, I remember a prayer <coughs> meeting with the elders, and just the contemplation of not long ago just being dead in my sin and my trespasses, an enemy of Christ, uh, destined for hell. That, that stirs emotion in me, for sure. Sure. The gratitude and that I can have the indwelling of, of the Spirit and have salvation through Christ and even in prayer approach our Father on the basis of what Christ did, that's, that's emotional. Think of uh, John Erickson Donna. You know who she is? Yep. Paralyzed from 18 years old. Can't do a thing. Paraplegic. Has never been able to take care of herself, dress herself. And look at the joy she's brought a lot of people. And it's the Holy Spirit that's given her life, though you might say, in one sense, her body is dead from the neck on down. All her life. And how many people God breaks the slavery in their life through the Spirit of God, slavery to drugs, drink, or pornography. God can break that if we let him. And any other habit that's not pleasing to the Lord. He gives us life and freedom. John 7 38 to 39. Have we read this before? Nope. Let's go ahead and read it. John 7, 38 to 39. Whoever believes in me, as the scripture has said, streams of living water will flow from within him. By this he meant the Spirit, whom those who in him were later to receive. Up to that time the Spirit had not been given, since Jesus had not yet been glorified. Wow. Out of his innermost being, rivers of living water. And he said, this is spoke of the Spirit whom those who believed were to receive. What in the world is uh, the living water that comes from believers? Brian. Rod, we, we had a great lesson on this word over in Israel. Uh, they have mikvahs there, which is called their pools where they have to, you know, purify themselves before they worship the Jews. And uh, so they have to bring in living water. And it's from the, to the Dead Sea down, down to the Dead Sea. They have to bring living water down there so that they could have that living water. And what he's talking about, it's true. That's the Jewish purification. And, uh, Only this is spiritual. Spiritual, yeah. Uh, but I'm just saying, yeah, there was a... He said this for a reason. Well, uh, let me ask you a question. When people come to us, are they refreshed or depressed? Yeah. Right? Are you an encourager or a discourager? Yeah, right. What are you? What is the whole book of Philippians about? Don't grumble, don't complain. Yeah. Rejoice! And again I say, rejoice. rejoice. 
Have you ever been around people that you've had enough of the conversation is depressing? We had some friends and they always said to us, you can say anything you want to us. We're, we can handle it. Well, we noticed the conversations were getting more and more depressing. And they were talking about people in the church and all their problems and what they didn't like. And I found myself having to defend people I really didn't want to defend. So we told them, we said, we enjoy having you and fellowshipping with you, but we got to change the conversation. Our conversations are not really glorifying the Lord, and they're not really refreshing. And I'm here to tell you, that went over like a lead balloon. <laughs> but stop and think. Are your conversations uplifting and you just enjoy being around? being around out of your belly throw rivers of living water? Or are they dead sea water? <laughs> you know, people like that just enjoy talking and encouraging. Well, this is not only that, but it's the whole gospel story flowing out. And let's uh, finish one more verse in this section. 2 Corinthians 3.3 Being manifested that you are a letter of Christ, cared for by us, written not with ink, but with the Spirit of the living God, not on tablets of stone, but on tablets of human hearts. Wow! We are letters of Christ, written on, not with ink, but with the Spirit of the living God on tablets, not on stone, but tablets of the... In other words, we represent Jesus Christ. People see Jesus Christ in us. Just the way we handle ourselves. I read a story years ago about a guy who went into Siberia into the prison. He was a believer. And the first thing they got in line was he, had to, he got handed out shoes and uh, the clothes that they wear. And he said, there was one guy handed out the clothes was different than all the rest. And he thought to himself, this guy must be a believer. In time, he found out he was. And they had great fellowship together. Just the mannerism of him showed that he had something different. He had the spirit of the living God within him. How about us? Does it show? Let's pray. Lord, I pray it does show in us. We want to glorify you, and we want the Spirit to have the freedom to do that in us. We want to be filled with the Spirit, Lord, and have Him lead us all the way and be our helper, our advocate, and our counselor. And so, Lord, we pray we'll yield to your word, and may the Spirit have control. We ask in Jesus' name. Amen.